Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris. Well, good to have you back. And this week's been very busy. We've had a, a couple of um, really substantial headlines over the past week, and, and you know, one was regarding domestic policy, uh, and the other is more of a foreign geopolitical. So, a couple topics we'd like to touch on here today. Um, but I thought we'd kick off by talking with about yesterday's Fed meeting. Mm -hmm. um, Chairman Powell reiterated uh, 2022 hike expectations, um, and the first is, is likely to come here in March. And as sensitive as the market's been in early 2022, um, you know, we experienced another sell-off. So, uh, you know, somewhat unsurprising there. Um, but, you know, my question here is, you know, how, how big of a deal is the Fed's comments for investors and markets like? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I think what the Fed says is, is meaningless at this point. Um, the reality is, as we've talked about in the past, that liquidity drives asset prices and activity, and we injected an extra $1.5 trillion in the markets over the prior 18 months. And what we're seeing now is $1.3 trillion coming out. Um, and we're going to see to what degree uh, consumption patterns were artificially stimulated and revenue growth was artificially stimulated as well. Um, and I also think it, it in, investors should pay attention to a couple of elements here. This is, I think what we're going through here is, is more than just an interest rate hike expectations and rate increases uh, expectations. I mean, I think this is going to turn into something a little more fundamental. Um, I do think we're at peak hawkishness. And what I mean by that is now the Fed's come out and talked about the rate increases and how many they want to do. Well, you know, you can look at the term structure of the yield curve and the two years already priced in uh, four plus rate increases. And so all the Fed's doing is following what the market's saying. And what was notable in the last 24 hours is that the curve has started to flatten meaningfully, which is a way of the market telling the Fed, hey, you can take out the unusual level of accommodation, but at the same time, um, you know, we're set up for a slowdown. So we're still in a growth rate cycle downturn. Inflation's still slowing. Um, what is very unusual in the current setup is uh, to have a growth downturn in, a, in economic activity and a growth downturn in inflation. That's the environment where you get large sell-off in equity markets. And typically, it's a transitory period during a single quarter. But because of the unusual level of stimulus we had in, in 2021, uh, we're going to have back-to-back -back quarters of slowing economic growth meaningfully and slowing inflation meaningfully. And the Fed is tightening liquidity conditions in that environment, and that's when you get big downdrafts. So I don't think this is going to be short. I think it's we don't know how deep it's going to be, but it's going to be across space and time, and we just need to we need to let it play out for sure. Um, the positive is, unlike the last time the Fed made this mistake in 2018, and let me clarify, it's a mistake if you if you want to maintain asset prices at the current levels they're in. It's not a mistake if we really do need to normalize, which we do. But when we had the large correction in the fourth quarter of 2018, it was because we didn't have sufficient funding or the ability to fund overnight and leverage positions. The Fed today has a permanent reverse repo facility, so we're not going to run into those liquidity issues. So I think it'll, it'll play itself out to a more normal correction, although it may be rapid at some points, and we may kind of flush out the, the weaker hands at the bottom. 
And, and I just want to highlight one thing you covered there. So you described slowing inflation. Uh, sorry, you described slowing growth coupled with inflation. And to me, that sounds like uh, about as bad of a combination as you could find out there. You know, how how unsettling is this news for equities? It it's the worst environment for equities. Uh, there's no question when you get into both uh, slowing growth and slowing inflation, it, it means you're going to have top line pressures. You're probably going to have margin pressures. You got to take down um, out your estimates. And I think the, the thing that's most important for investors to realize is since we have over financialized our economy and we have relied on the wealth effect in order to defer savings and drive consumption, and because of the extraordinary level of excess stimulus, we cannot bring down inflationary expectations without lowering asset prices. They're they're one of the primary reasons that we've had excess consumption that resulted in the inflation. So this isn't a matter of, you know, kind of buying the dip. This is the Fed saying, hey, we've overstimulated. Financial conditions are going to tighten, but they're not going to tighten because rates are going to go really high. They're just fundamentally, that, that's not a possibility for a host of reasons. But they will tighten because the cost of capital for equities is going lower. And all of these bubbles that we've created in the companies that make no money, in you know the 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 TAM stocks that are going to be incredible opportunities ten years from now, you know that's going away and it's not coming back. So we're letting the air out of a lot of bubbles. So people shouldn't approach this as if when we get to the other side, you just buy this dip and the Fed's going to turn and have your back. They're not going to do that. We're we're mean reverting back to an easy scenario, not a, a, a crazy excess stimulus scenario. And I think the only way we're going to get the Fed to reverse course on tightening these financial conditions is if we draw assets down so far that it has a deleterious impact on consumption, and then they'll have to provide liquidity so that we don't have uh, the potential for a recession. So thinking about what, another kind of big headline that we, we chatted about here at the beginning um, on, on kind of the foreign geopolitical front, you know, so Russia and the area and the border areas surrounding Ukraine have been in conflict now for, for centuries. Um, but why do you think that Russia's recent posturing has, has brought renewed attention? And, and why do you think this is going to be meaningful? Yeah, I look, I don't think um, the incredibly hawkish comments out of uh, Chairman Powell yesterday are unrelated to what's going on in Ukraine. And You've got to step back and look at where we've been over the last several decades, where the U.S. really since the 80s have enjoyed the enviable position and the rare position of being, uh, you know, the the sole superpower economically and militarily. Um, we've lost that military advantage to Russia and China um, over the last few years just because they can be a real threat to our Navy, and that's an important change. But more importantly, Via U.S. economic policy and via China's more strategic policy, um, we are we are very vulnerable economically. Um, we've overly relied on debt-funded growth and consumption. We've allowed our manufacturing base to be gutted. Um, we are relying on the foreign entities to kind of fund our deficit spending, and we've gotten to the point where our, our debt-funded deficit spending has a negative multiplier, so we've kind of reached the fork in the road in that regard. 
And it's not a coincidence that China and Russia are kind of coordinating activities, and you can think of Russia as the War Department and China as the Ministry of Finance in this regard. And if they can divide Europe, and you know we've been fighting over this Ukrainian territory for centuries, but now's a chance for Russia um, and China to work together to destabilize Europe further, such that if we can divide Europe, then the U.S. doesn't have an automatic ally, and instead of the Europe and the U.S. you know representing 40, 45 percent of global GDP, it quickly just becomes the U.S. first, the rest of the world. And so I think we're moving back to a multipolar world, not just militarily, but economically. Um, and with that, we're also kind of at the, the getting near the end point for the dollar to operate as the sole reserve currency. So I think Russia is taking advantage of um, as strong a hand as they're going to have. We're woefully short fossil fuels. And so they're going to leverage that to try to split Europe apart and weaken the U.S., and I won't be surprised if what China does is start to strengthen the yuan so that any relief we begin to get uh, from these inflationary pressures, quote, the transitory nature of them, we are, in fact, going to have to deal with potentially, you know, the rising cost of Chinese uh, imports because they allow, allow their yuan to appreciate relative to the dollar. So, you know, this is a much longer element that's going to play out. I think this has a lot to do with structural shifts that are going to occur across this entire decade. Um, so stay tuned. Um, I don't think this is an, an isolated event for sure. Great. All right. So more to come here. Um, and before we do wrap up, I just want to go back to the market one last time. Um, so, you know, as, as we've been talking through this, you know, what, what do you think investors should, should be doing right now? Do you think that they should be, you know, buying into this dip? Should they be looking for new leadership? Is, is, there, is there something else I'm missing out there? But yeah. um, a lot of paralyzed folks, a lot of questions. Yeah. Where, where do we go? I think the most important thing is patience. Look at what you own. Know why you own it. If you, if you own a security or you made an allocation and the only reason you own it is because it was going up and they're – once you really stare at the screen with the prices declining, you realize there was more hope than fundamentals, um, move out of it, right? There's a decent chance that we really have uh, pricked a lot of these bubbles. Um, look, Don't look for any short-term trends. Keep in mind, we have back-to-back -back quarters of slowing growth, slowing inflation, and I think we're relatively advanced in repricing the higher rates into those beneficiaries. And those are typically in the financial sector, but they can be elsewhere as well. I would actually fade that strength because we really can't increase rates significantly. And if we do, we'll get such a drawdown, even those beneficiaries will go down with the rest of the markets. I'd fade that strength. I would be patient and sit on my hands for a little bit. Um, and wait, and wait for better buying opportunities. Watch the volatility in the market. Um, when the volatility is as high as it is, and when it's moving higher, it means we can't bottom. And just because we're oversold doesn't mean that you can't uh, sell off more. Typically, you know, you'll get in these oversold positions, the markets will try to bounce, you'll get these uh, you know, people trying to time the bottom. And when, in fact, it's not, they have to sell all those incremental positions they just purchased as well. So, uh, again, I would just be patient. We are, while we're, we're early in, 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 or we're late in, in pricing in the rate increases, we're early in recognizing that this is more than potentially a temporary slowdown, that where we had artificial growth from the stimulus isn't coming back. 
And we're also very early in recognizing not just lower earnings growth, but lower margins. And we've got to price that in. And it takes time to do that. So um, I would just sit tight for, sit tight. for now. Yeah. Great. And don't forget, hope isn't a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. Right. Don't buy narratives and wait for the VIX to get under 30. All right. Perfect. Good. All right. Well, that's a good spot to hold up for today. So thank you so much, Chris. And you we bet. will see you here soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.